As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Courage. This is some rescue. Strength. Here they come. Determination. I know what I'm doing. Good. The name's Ahsoka Tano. And evil. Yes, my lord. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. Now on, you do as I tell you, okay? I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. This joint has to get to the resistance base as soon as possible. R2, where are you? I call it aggressive negotiations. Follow me, boys! Coffee with Kenobi presents Lattes with Leia with Amy Ratcliffe and Dr. Andrea Letamendi. And now, here's your host. Welcome to episode 34 of Lattes with Leia. I'm your co-host, Amy Ratcliffe. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Andrea Letamendi. Hey, we did it. We're recording. It's all as well. All our tech works. I am just thankful we don't have to use Skype and that we can see each other in person, which I say because I've used Skype on some podcast and it gets the job done. I've used it, but nothing. Yeah. Fewer programs make me feel more techno- technologically inept mm. than Skype. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can also see some sort of additional expressions, things things that you might not normally see. Also, we get together and we have beverages and we talk about, before we even press record, we talk about uh, Star Wars and what we're into and just our days. Yeah, it's good all the way around. Yeah. Yay. So what do we, oh, last month we talked about fear. Which was actually really great. Not fun. that I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't be like, actually, I was surprised. No, of course, it was a great time. It's a good time. I always have a great time with you and always learn something. And I learned a lot last episode. And from what we heard, like from listeners, you guys heard a lot too. And I'm going to go ahead and turn that sound off. I just remembered, I was like, do I have my <laughs> notifications on? No, yeah. we're all good. You're um, good. I just have work email running. No, burn it. It's gone. Good. It's burnt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I heard a lot of positive things about our last episode via email and you know, on Twitter. Like people were just kind and I'm scrolling through now to see if anybody talked to us about their fears, but I just in general like always appreciate when our audience is I just like op- I feel like open minded. I, I really do feel like we're a comfortable mm like safe place. Agreed. 
and let people feel like they can talk to us. We received this really nice email from uh, Jason Mach or Mach or Mosh. What do you think? Mach? Mach. Jason Mach, you can let us know if that's how you pronounce your name. Uh, but I just wanted to read a little bit of uh, his note to us. Uh, he mentions this is the first time writing to us and he's been listening to us most of the year. Says he really enjoys listening. And that, this is what I like. This is going to be our new tagline. We have the perfect blend of highly informed and intelligent insight mixed with lightheartedness and a very down-to-earth approach. I choose to believe that down-to-earth approach part is from us talking about our drinks for <laughs> 10 minutes minimum. No, that's really kind. It's very sweet. Um, Jason goes on to say, uh, Lattes with Leia is definitely one of the highlights of every month for him. Specific to our discussion, though, he adds, I just wanted to write and say thank you for discussing fear and anxiety. Um, he mentions it's important to identify name and face our fear so they can uh, turn us toward good things and not cause us to sink further into darkness. Um, what a what a nice encouragement and um, just a, a very friendly note. Uh, so thank you, Jason, for that message. Appreciate that you listen. Appreciate that you wrote us this email. Um, folks want to chime in. They can write us on Twitter. They can write us an email. All our info is listed at the end of this episode. Yeah, we always love hearing from people. And I want to add that one of the notes on Twitter I saw is from Adam Bryant, a.k.a. at Alaska Loot. And, and I agree with this, that the scariest Star Wars moment he remembers as a kid was hearing Salacious Crumb laugh in Jabba's Palace. That... <laughs> Whoa. That was mild. That wasn't wow. very loud, but that kind of, it's very maniacal. It is, and isn't it? You don't expect it. I'm like, it's oh, this sadistic. looks like a, a cute little. No, no, it's a weird juxtaposition of like a little puppet, the tiniest little, like seemingly. He kind of uh, looks like a harmless, well, yeah, or gremlin, but yeah. And then he lets out this, like. He's super evil. Evil and laughs at everything. He's the Joker. He's not the in Star Wars. <laughs> no, salacious crumb. No. no, the Joker is so much more than that. <laughs> I'm going to be kicked. I out will of argue this, with you this. for sure about that. <laughs> get out, bye, guys. Um, I get myself out of trouble. So we should talk about <laughs> what we're drinking because it's very exciting this month and. Okay, you have to explain this because we have four <laughs> mugs in front of us. Um, we have four beverages, and uh, this is this was something that you made for us while I watched uh, with eagerness. So tell us. Uh, I think we're calling it the R two Detox. Yes. Um, this is these are our detox drinks. Yes. So what's in here? What so, am I drinking? Why we are drinking detox drinks will become apparent soon, but we wanted to, if one, I always love an excuse to drink something other than water <laughs> and concoct things. So when you think about detox drinks, like it's usually, I don't know, juices, kale, mm -hmm. liquefied kale, lemon, ginger, mm -hmm. cayenne pepper, cayenne pepper. Oh Yeah. 
No. I just had a thought. I'm like, should we put that in here? Mm-mm. No, hard pass. So I kind of wanted to mix some of those things. And we made two versions. We made is a non-alcoholic version of our R2 Detox, which is the best name. <laughs> and it has apple cider, ginger ale, a little lemon juice freshly squeezed. And that's it. And it's very good. It's great. I would drink this anyway. Yeah. And we warmed, I should, I think that's an important part. We heated the apple cider. So it's a, a warm beverage. And I think the only thing it's missing is I'd add, like you could add a cinnamon stick Mm -hmm. if you wanted. And that makes it festive as well. So it's also a holiday drink. I feel like because it's fall now and it's a, it's a cold 75 to 80 degrees (laughs) right now. This, this, uh, this warm, soothing, non-alcoholic yes. beverage is very calming. Yes. And it does get, I mean, you know what? I was going to say it gets chilly in the evenings, but somebody's going to be listening from the East Coast and be laugh. So. Hey, I'm cold. I'm, I've, <laughs> I had to turn the heat on we recently. Should, we should add, uh, we did do a little bit of online research to look at what basic ingredients could help with with detoxing. Yes. But really the we are casual mixologists. Yes, for sure. There are no known medical benefits to drinking either one of these versions. Amy, talk about the second version, yeah, the which second I'm very excited version. about. So we made many versions of this one to experiment. So all the same, equal parts, warm apple cider and ginger ale, splash splash even of lemon juice and then like an ounce of Jameson's. Irish whiskey. I think bourbon would be great in it. I think any whiskey, actually. Cognac might be nice on this, but it's a good blend. It's subtle. I like it. And I did add mm. that lemon, lime. Your, your mini. My mini lime lemon. I'm not really sure what it is, but it's good. I was trying to think what the mashup name would be for that. Lemon? but like, Yeah, maybe. But it's very cute. So, yeah, I would make this again for sure. We'll see how cleansed I feel later, (laughs) but it is soothing and comforting. So that's what we're drinking. And I will put all those ingredients and their recipes in the show notes in case you would like to make your own R2 detox. So switching on from that to another monthly topic we always cover, a Star Wars thing we're currently super excited about or obsessed with. And as we say, we like Star Wars, we do a whole podcast, but it's fun to like zoom in on one particular thing that's giving us joy. Mm-hmm. What is yours, Jorea? I have a very general one and it has to do with the holidays. Yay! Um, I like, I tend to not like um, Star Wars mashing up with other things. I have um, a loathing for the, for instance, the Disney's. Star, the Disney character, Star Wars characters, mashups. Oh, I thought you were going to insult my... No, no, no. My Halloween droid. No, no, no. Okay. I'm with I've you done. Now. I'm done with that one. Okay. I got a... Although I, got a I Christ, don't... I got a Christmas one the other day. <laughs> a Christmas I droid. don't like that one. I know, already know it. <laughs> um, I tend to not like, you know, the whole like Mickey holding a lightsaber. Like, it's cute, but I'm not going to go out and buy that. I do love holiday items that are Star Wars themed. So holiday ornaments, 
Um, a poor grain, a Christmas scarf. Yes, yes, anything like that. <gasps> um, we have a, a yes. Darth Vader figure that's uh, maybe like almost two and a half, maybe three feet tall, and I always put a Santa hat on him. So I love decoration and items and and you know things that are holiday themed that are also Star Wars themed. I get that, and I like that combo too, and I like that. Now, I mean, certainly more than if like four years ago, but just every holiday season, more and more companies like have merchandise that combines right. Star Wars. And so you can probably, oh, you know what? I own a Hallmark ornament that is Darth Vader in a Christmas sweater. Like a, a Christmas yes. sweater. Yeah, it's like I was just going to mention Hallmark. Yeah. yeah. So I love that that exists. So what is the what is the droid? I'm just gonna look it up. Oh, I have a picture on my phone. Yeah, of course you're not, you do. You're not gonna. I bought it. You're not gonna like it. Wait, is He's it hol- like, it's holiday themed? Yeah. So every year they do the, the Halloween one and they do a Christmas one. And this one's like a subtle Christmas one. And see his like drinks that he's carrying. His name. Uh, I'll put a picture. Andre's <laughs> face. It's R four H eighteen. And it's a clear droid, and he's holding a drink tray, and the drink tray, like the little drinks, are all different colors. I like this. You like? I actually like this because the remember the Halloween one looked like a candy corn. Yes, it did. And I thought that was (laughs) no bueno. I did not like that. This this looks awesome. It's cute, and it goes with the detail on the the little extension of the tray. Yeah, it it looks. Which side is this droid on? <laughs> I like that's where you go. He's um, this droid is not he's a good droid. Non-denominational. Mm. He's a seasonal. <laughs> he's a seasonal. <laughs> oh right, he's seasonal, non-existent, uh, temporary droid. But it'll go good. Like droids in past years, I've had one. Him one is maybe red and green and like has a toboggan. Mm, it's so cute. So uh, I'll have to, when I get all the holiday decorations out this year, I'll send you a picture of all my holiday Christmas droids hanging out and you can uh, judge them. I will. (laughs) So you actually have, you have a particular item that you wanted to talk about. Yes, because I recently came across this and put it on my wish list. Loungefly, they're great. I love them. They've made me a purse person. And I recently discovered their mini backpacks. I mean, I knew they existed, but I recently got one and own one. And they can hold a ton of stuff and they're really comfortable. And now I carry mine to the parks, to the, like, that's just my regular purse. And they have a lot of Star Wars ones. And they have a super cute Phantom Menace, like, baby, like, chibi print. And I just am in love with it. It has Boss Nass on it. It has Battle Droids. It has Qui-Gon and Padme. Captain Panaka or Typho? Maul Palpatine. It's just an adorable print. Oh, I see it. And there's a matching wallet. Yes. So I think I put the wallet or it's like a a little coin purse or something. I was like, that I want. Because I think the backpack is a full-size backpack, which I don't have as much... I guess I could swap it out with my backpack I take to work. But anyway, super cute. And just always like if you like lounge life, like they're constantly releasing new stuff. Um, For Star Wars, Marvel, 
as well in Disney because mine is a Haunted Mansion mini backpack and I love it so much. Very cool. So you'll put the you'll put the link up for us. Mm-hmm. It's, wait, hold on. Oh, there he is. Okay. I thought Jar Jar wasn't on this for a minute. Now I was going to be. You thought he wasn't on it. Yeah. But he is on he it. He is. So that's just fair. He's a, for better or worse, has a large role in that film. Oh, Mace Windu's on there too. Okay. I'm going to stop looking at this now. <laughs> <laughs> and that way we can get on to the topic of this month's show. Would you like to set this up? Yeah. So we decided to talk about toxic fandom, which is why we're drinking <laughs> many detox drinks. Um, we will talk about harassment and abuse in fandom communities, specifically the Star Wars community. I know that uh, we talked about the the topic of diversity and the positive positive impact of diversity and inclusion in Star Wars in the past. This show is going to be about the impact of toxic fandom and the behavior of members of our community. So this is not not about the the Star Wars. Uh, product, not about the, the story. This is about members of our Star Wars of community. Our community, right, our fandom. Conversation that will likely include a discussion about women in the community, um, in particular women of color in the community, but we're not necessarily limiting our focus to those groups. And um, Hopefully, we can generally touch upon the concepts uh, of toxic fandom and the impact that it's had on its community members in a way that is a little bit different. So, for instance, I know that this has been talked about before earlier in the year, just in general. There might be things that people already know about. So I really want to focus, too, on um, maybe a positive response or a way we can turn this around into like positive action, knowing um, just how this has impacted our, our community. Um, so the other thing too, is that I know, uh, especially for this discussion, we want to make sure we let our listeners know that we're not speaking for all women as we discuss these issues. I don't think anyone would assume that, but I just want to make that clear. Um, we're not speaking for all women of color as we bring up those issues and, and topics, but, um, hopefully we can bring up some examples of our experiences and, some, um, again, some recommendations or some insights for positive change. So, yeah, I think the, one of the first questions that, that comes up for me is like, how do we really define this concept of toxic fandom? Yeah. And is it a, I think there are some parts about it for sure that are objective. Actually, maybe all of it's objective. I was just thinking, I'm like, some of it's subjective, but I don't know that that's true because I feel like bad behavior is bad behavior there's like that sounds like very simplistic but just that bullying is bullying and I guess maybe in some cases like somebody would see something as a joke like mm-hmm. on the other mm-hmm. end and like uh, looking at that you're like that doesn't seem like a joke that seems like bullying so I don't know if that would be considered I got lost in that like subjective versus mm-hmm. objective mm-hmm. but when I think of toxic fandom I think of uh, you know certainly bullying or or comments uh racist comments misogynist comments um harassment death threats and even to a certain point of uh, thinking about ryan johnson who 
who, yes, is a fully recognized, he's a, he's a white dude. He is in a privileged place. Um, but just as an example, if he tweets about uh, Batman, because I'm looking at a Batman thing, he will get a huge re- like string of replies that are like, but why did you make, like, why does The Last Jedi suck? And that's mild. Mm. So I think that kind of repetitive, like, let me just keep hitting you with a single, single thing over and over is a form of toxic fandom too. Thank you for pointing that out. I, I think you're right that a, a repeated nature, the incessant nature of bringing up negativity and accusation and, and that being sort of a nonstop harassment, I could see that falling into this category. And I, I agree with you that maybe this is too hopeful that anybody seeing those comments would define it as toxic fandom, but there might be people that will say, no, 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 that's just criticism or I've seen people do that very thing. Yeah. Like let people have opinions so much. Um, yes. And definitely saw it this summer with, you know, somebody calling a creator, calling out fans who are, uh, being toxic and just saying like, they suck. People mm. being like, but they're just being like, they're just, it's like, no, there are people who have like, cri- like calm, rational, like comments on things that are criticisms without being like, well, the person who made this needs to die. Like that is a very right. clean, like clean, clear lines. I right. Mean. So those, those statements of hatred, the statements of bullying, threatening, harassment, gatekeeping even too, I think. Uh, yeah. Sort of the, the accusations and the, the shaming, um, as well as, uh, as well as hateful comments like, I hope you kill yourself or I want you to die or what you did to this character or what you wrote, um, you know, makes me want to die. Like all those really strong, hateful messages fall into this category. One question I had when I was thinking about this was like, that's different than trolling to me. Trolling seems like a different aspect of this yeah i think for like trolling's obnoxious and annoying but i don't know though i feel like trolling can very quickly turn into toxicity if it is not addressed if the person doesn't take the person doesn't improve themselves um so see where you're coming from but i think that's a like a blurry blurry area Mm -hmm. like certainly there are uh, there's trolling activity that looks very similar. Yes. But might have different mm, motivation. Or, yeah, and different. Impact, yes. Yeah. Um, so, so why oh, is this? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking through examples in my head and now I'm like, okay, now I think I'm with you. Okay, good. <laughs> Further down this rabbit hole, now that we're in it, why does this happen? Or why is this happening now? I don't know that we have the answers, but why do you think this is more common and why do you think people are engaging in this? It's interesting because I think to a certain degree, I wasn't heavily really involved at all actually in Star Wars during the prequels. But I know Mm. there was some degree of this because, you know, people told George Lucas they ruined his childhood and in a lot harsher terms than that. And he stopped making films because he's like, well, if you, I mean paraphrasing but if you guys are going to be jackholes and just give me nothing but crap like why would I why would I keep doing this Mm -hmm. and now 
And certainly back then there were forums and message boards and some form of social media, not quite like we have now. And I think there's just something about the mixture of Star Wars is back and fans are excited and and some fans who have been decades for years feel like this is their thing and there's like a sense of ownership and like they know what is best, kind Mm -hmm. of having that parasocial relationship Mm -hmm. with the franchise as a whole and the mixture of all of that, like what we have outlets Right, the More speed than ever. and the yeah, immediacy, exactly, and the the uh, you know the access to the to social media in a way that we didn't have that in two thousand five. Right, to other fans and especially yeah. to creators, I couldn't have imagined being able to send <laughs> penning a message, a, penning a letter. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me send this off to a PO box where it's never going to be seen. Right, and tweet might not be seen either, but I can go to John Favreau's page. Um, I just want to pick on somebody other than Ryan Johnson <laughs> and like tweet him and mm-hmm. he may see and he may not. And that's just like a weird, it makes for like a weird, like hotbed situation. But at the end of the day, you're just like, we're like, why, but why, why, why do people have to act like this? Yeah. When I thought about this and actually this brings up some, some theorizing I had when, um, when geek girls, the concept of geek girls was, um, being questioned and, and really being unpacked several years ago, um, one one aspect I thought about is something you're getting to, which is the the sense of community members feeling entitled uh, to uh, to the um, to the actual product or, or to the community itself, and uh, that there's a sense of of being threatened by other members. Um, so it, it kind of blurs the line with like, not only are the creators, uh, causing the stir, but also other members of the community who are defending the new stories or, um, aligning with the new stories and expressing that they like the new stories. So, um, one, uh, one concept that came up for me was this false notion of limited resources that, uh, that some community members feel like, well, there's only so much of this for us to consume. And if you ruin <laughs> we it, we have to hold tightly. Yeah. If you ruin it with these stories that we don't like, then you, you know, sort of poison the entire well. Uh, it, Star Wars has so many stories. You can find so many stories, whether you're looking at, um, you know, film narrative or other media, uh, novels, comic books. Yes. There's so much to look into and consume. And go enjoy that thing. Right. So there's this fixation on, um, you know, this idea that if some of it is not to their liking and includes members of, of, uh, groups that they don't think should be a part of the story, then, um, then that, that becomes upsetting to them that, uh, it's almost, you know, I think about the idea that they, because they think that there's limited resources, they are very, um, protective of what exists and almost feel like, uh, which comes to my second point, which is this, this misinterpreted sense of ownership. And I think you pointed at this as well, that they falsely believe that they are the actual owners of Of the story of the, of the fandom and of the story. Um, and it's this sense of deserved ownership. Well, I've been here since day one, 77, I saw in the theaters, (laughs) which cool, wish I would have too, but that doesn't give you like a, bigger right to the story than 
somebody who just became a fan because they watched an episode of Star Wars Rebels. Right. And the third concept I, I resurrected from from the my theory about um, white geek girls were, were being accused and attacked during that time is I think maybe the most relevant, which is this resentment of the changing culture, that our society is evolving and changing. Our ability to communicate with one another is evolving and changing. Media evolves and changes. And so the visibility of people like me who did not have those spaces, we didn't have these voices, um, we now have our stories being told. But rather than celebrate that, a lot of members of this community are... um, hateful about it yes. and feel as though those shifts in who the story is about is somehow um, threatening to them or somehow does not, you know, align with how they feel, what they feel Star Wars is about. So, you know, you'll hear them say things like, this is not Star Wars. This is not my story. But who said that you dictate or know what Star Wars what is? What it is or that... You, okay, it's not. If it's not your story, there are lots of other ones. Move on. It doesn't mean that it can't be someone else's story. And that's like, yeah. I see conversations with people on the internet when I make the stupid mistake of paying attention too much attention to Twitter, where you have these conversations and and the side that's like maybe has criticisms of something like they didn't like Luke's arc in the last Jedi, like start to take umbrage and being like, well, you're just saying that I'm you know, like the people making negative remarks about Kelly Marie Tran because I don't like this film. It's like, no, that's, I just want to make very clear that you can have criticisms of a thing and not be a tool about it and not be toxic about it. Mm-hmm. I don't love Star Wars resistance so far. I don't feel any need to go to any of the creators of that series or voice actors in that series. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why aren't you spending so much time writing to them, sending them tweets, sending them nasty comments? I know. Saying, get out, like, this isn't my Star Wars. What are you doing? You're messing. No. <laughs> like, and also, like, I don't feel that's like, all right, it's for kids. Cool. Kids have some awesome Star Wars to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's that... It's when it gets taken to that level of, especially I think we see it with Kelly Marie Tran, with John Boyega got her ass too, with like, like you said, this is changing and some members of the community. And I think I like that term you use because when people act that way, I don't like to call them fans because they might still be Mm. fans, but they're being... Like, I, like, I don't, I'm a fan and I don't want to be associated with that. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to be, th- and that's interesting um, for people who are not in this community who, oh, I would say maybe they're casual fans or maybe they just, they just enjoy the movies and they don't know about all of this, you know, this dialogue that's going on online. What if they encounter somebody with so much hateful, um, so many hateful beliefs about these new characters and so um, so many vile things to say. I don't want somebody to think that that's... Representative. A, yeah, that's not, uh, yeah. A con- that's not the most common type of fan. And, and I agree with you. We don't really have space for, you know, I, I feel pretty inclusive. This sounds, this could sound maybe like a, like I'm trying to be politically correct. I'm just saying... 
generally speaking, I'm a pretty open-minded person. I have to, it's sort of a part of my profession. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't have tolerance. I mean, how could I, I don't have tolerance for bigotry and racism and sexism and, and that I would even say, while I don't excuse, I, I don't have anything positive to say about trolls and trolling behavior, almost this sense of, or this approach, this toxic approach of hatred, uh, such entitlement, such, you know, sense of superiority is incredibly bothersome to me. Like that actually like makes me so upset above and beyond like, oh, someone is just trying to get a reaction from us. Um, You mentioned Calamari Tran. Uh, I do have some quotes from her, the wonderful piece that she wrote in response to the, uh, just the, the wave of, uh, hateful comments that she received after the last Jedi. And may I point out quickly Mm. too, that, you know, she, you had, you could only look at a single Instagram post of hers and see those kind of comments, which is heartbreaking. And then she quit social media and they, I, I saw members of the community being like, well, that's not why she left. It's like, let me, like, let us think of other reasons. She probably just left it. Like, Wait, like, what? Yes. And it's like, n- no. Like, what, what world are you living in that you... Why did they say she left? Um, I thought they just, like, she didn't want to, like, deal with it. She wanted more privacy. I, I really wish, I mean, just... Like the mental like hurt yes. like the exercise you have to do to work a way like to tell yourself like people aren't harassing her it's like look at the no and i think the idea i mean there there were people too that were like oh she she's you know a star wars actor she should get over it she should just dismiss it ignore it um you know i think i'm glad we're we're touching upon this because we should really emphasize the impact of toxic fandom. Um, one one point of impact is the impact on the artist. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Ryan Johnson, uh, the creators. I think Kelly Marie Tran, especially because uh, everywhere she is getting these kinds of comments, and in her in her uh, new role, which should be celebrated and which should be honored. She's continuing to get these racist, sexist, hateful comments. And she articulates that those those messages and the, the accumulation of that kind of treatment leads to uh, a lot of negative uh, consequences like self-blame, self-hate, imposter syndrome. I want to read a little bit of what she she talks about in her piece She said, their words seemed to confirm what growing up as a woman and a person of color already taught me, that I belonged in margins and spaces, valid only as a minor character in their lives and stories. She went on to say the harassment brought her back to her past, alluding to the experiences of discrimination and othering. So when she was a kid, speaking Vietnamese, she's Vietnamese-American, and uh, she did that so the other kids wouldn't make fun of her. And so I think, uh, I think what, what some of us do understand, but maybe more people in our community need to fully grasp, is that 
No, it's not just words. These things bring up history of discrimination and othering. It is re-traumatizing. It is triggering. It is continued uh, oppression in many ways. And it's it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, the, I am fully recognize that I am not in a position to understand a lot of those things as a as a white woman. And it's painful to know that anyone goes through this and that people kind of like poke at those sensitive like nerve centers and like you said, past traumas and just brush it off as like, I'm just leaving this like just so thoughtlessly that I'm just leaving this Instagram comment moving on with my day and it's has a can have a very lasting impact. Right. I fully believe she left because of of this negativity. Yeah. I, I don't oh, know why anyone would stay. Um the the other the other piece of this too is what impact does it have on the community when it is by the community? So what do I mean by that? Um, you know, clearly it has a, an impact on Kelly Marie Tran, but what does that, so how do those comments toward Kelly, how does that impact me? Like what, it, what is the bigger impact on the community? Well, one, it's coming from the community yeah, itself. So like we see that you'd be like, am, am I welcome in this community if this is how they treat? Yeah. I, people. I think it leads to further, um, marginalization and erasure of the groups of people that were feeling like, well, wait, this was, this was my story. This was the time for me to celebrate and feel like I belonged in this community. And even though I hear people say via just anecdotally and in, in numbers that it's, you know, the small vocal minority, if that's true. And, and I think percentage wise, yeah, but that's, they're vocal. And it doesn't make these things hurt any less or doesn't lessen the effect they're having and uh, on a lot of different scales. So in further unpacking this, I mean, I could read all the comments and I could, I, th I really encourage people to actually read Kelly Marie Tran's uh, piece on this. Yeah, we'll link it in case people link have to that. But to further unpack this, Let's talk a little bit about who those individuals are and then maybe what we can do to, to kind of make our community a little bit more positive and peaceful. Um, I'm going to describe this research project that I have to admit is, is helpful in many ways, but also um, somewhat problematic in its methods. And some may have heard of this before, but this is the, this is sort of the, the Twitter study on, on diversity and hate. Uh, oh, yeah, that ran on Washington Post. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so who hates Star Wars for its newfound diversity? This person actually did the research to find out. Her name is Bethany Lacina. And so just in a nutshell, uh, in, in response to, to what went, went down with Kelly Marie Tran, this researcher... Uh, followed this uh, online sort of research method to better understand what is this trend and does it really exist? And so she collected 
thousands of tweets from Star Wars fans online and used a computer algorithm to characterize those conversations with some uh, some methods from uh, derived at Cornell University. She looked at tweets for particular content. So did it have offensive language defined as profanity and belligerence? Did it include hate speech, which is, yeah, you know, clearly ethnic, misogynistic and homophobic slurs and threats of violence? And, um, you know, where did these pop up in relation to Star Wars and specifically The Last Jedi? Oh, including variants and abbreviations, I see. Yeah. So it's interesting that I'm kind of skipping to the results because I think that's really where the meat is. But, you know, folks should should really kind of take a further look at the methods. These are, this is a look at tweets that are, you know, that were not deleted, that were not right. taken off, right? Right. Because if they were reported and Twitter responded, then they're gone or maybe the user's gone. Uh, so you can get a lot of information from Twitter. There are a lot of ways to search and mine that data, but it's never going to be a, from the outside, at least, if you're getting that, it's never going to be a complete picture. And she found, uh, she a lot, I mean, with the data she had, you know, came up with some interesting findings. Mm-hmm. So based on the random selection of tweets related to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Kelly Marie Tran, and Rose Tico, um, the analysis finds that about 6% of the gathered tweets contained offensive language and a much smaller subsection of those contained hate speech. Those, me- those metrics sharply increased when examining just the data that related to Kelly Marie Tran and Rose Tico specifically. She That's went on, it's, I mean, I, I don't, big jump. yeah, and I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, the offensive language went from six to 12%. Hate speech rose from 1.1% to 1.8%. I will say that's kind of my takeaway with this too. <laughs> like the methods used and the amount of information analyzed, like I'm not sure how I feel about that, but at the right. same time, the results, I'm like, yeah, well, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the conclusion. This indicates that um, discussion becomes significantly more toxic when discussing Star Wars's first non-white female lead negatively than it does with any other criticism of the franchise. So, you know, of all the uh, when you think about offensive language, hate speech, etc., that um, the the ratio will rise when you look specifically at this character. Um, I I do think, uh, you know, again, because tweets that were deleted or tweets that, um, were taken down, like, or made private, right. We don't have that additional information. Also, this is just on Twitter. Um, the other thing that was interesting, um, is that to take a look at this, the, uh, the researcher decided to look at, um, female, fans and specifically she decided to look at fan accounts that are run by podcasters Mm -hmm. um i i don't i don't know if these this would include us i think so she broke down more of her information in a tweet thread when this article Mm -hmm. went up and talked about some of the 
like how she identified if a podcast was clearly like run by, like, I think it had to be clear that they were run by, or maybe she separated like the ones who oh. were run by, she could tell were run by females versus males. I know my name came up in the female accounts, like the fan accounts yeah, that she looked at. came up. So your name came up. So you, the, the comments that you received were used in this, in this. analysis. Mm-hmm. So, so do you think that that was reflective of your experience? I think in the, in this past year to some degree, because this was when my book was announced Mm -hmm. and I'll get waves of that. When it was announced, I got Star Wars tweeted my name in one of their tweets about it. So I got a lot of replies about this is sexist. Where's the men of the galaxy book? Uh, Somebody told me to die. You can find the men of the galaxy book all throughout the seventies, eighties, nineties, Right. Then again, and like, no, but we're being exclusive (laughs) and we're being sexist by making a woman. So this year and just the Star Wars comments I've got, it's been a little worse than other ones. And at the beginning of the year, I remember, oh, beginning of the year, end of last year, Last Jedi related. It was one of the last times I tweeted about The Last Jedi was I was talking about Holdo and Poe and like Holdo doesn't have to tell anyone anything like, Mm. Mm -hmm. oh boy. (laughs) That got, I mean, some discussion too, but just how like dare a lot you? of, how dare I? <laughs> it's just like, and uh, you know, some of it turned to like, oh, just because she's a woman. And I'm just like, I don't have time for this. And, but I'm like, I don't know how much more I get. Cause if once I get one, a lame remark from someone, one negative, one toxic, whatever it is, I block or mute them. So, so you actually might be getting more or you potentially could get more if you don't actively cut down that, that communication right. pathway. Right. That's interesting. Cause if I see it, I will obsess about it. But if I just meet them and move on. Right. I'll, I mean, I forget about it, but cause it's yeah, not in my I mentions, bet, you know, I'm I bet like, oh. you remember, I'm not going to make you think about all those comments, but I bet you remember. I remember the choice they, wins yeah. for sure. Mm. So I think to a degree, and I've seen certainly in the, you know, the slice of Star Wars fandom I follow on Twitter that a dude and a, a lady can post the same things and mm. the dude's going to get nicer mm-hmm. <laughs> responses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Particularly when it comes to explaining things in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I didn't know that. Thank you so much for this insight. And I, I see, like, I've seen, like, a woman post and be like, well, yeah, exactly. actually, yes. let me tell you. So it's like, uh, yeah. that's when I'm like, well, I'm muting this conversation because I cannot. Right. I only have so many times I can let fandom give me high blood pressure. So, <laughs> um, that is a good segue into how we can combat this and and what positive action we can take. By the way, the the article that describes the the research project will be linked. And and I think while I I think it's a, by the way, uh, as far as researching this, um, this phenomenon, this, this behavior, I think it's helpful. I I appreciate that somebody took the time. This is somebody at a university. They're not just like playing around with tweets. Like they, their methods were sound and they took an approach that is, um, that I think is, is evidence-based uh, most of the criticism is is around like, is this enough? Right, enough information. Yes. yes. How do we expand this to fully comprehend 
the the nature of this, the impact, the the amount of of fans in this community that are engaging in this. We simply, I I don't know that we have enough evidence to really answer any of those questions. I think this confirmed for me, yes, this is happening. And yes, it happens to specific types of people in our community. And yes, this is problematic. Those were uh, outcomes of that research that I really, really appreciate. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see um, not more attention to toxic fandom, right. but just some, you know, addressing more that looking. this is a real thing and we, and, and we should address. Yeah. Cause um, it's not going to go away by yeah. pretending it doesn't exist. Right. Um, one thing to mention as far as like, how have we as a community responded to this and rose above this? Rose. Rose. Huh? Yes. I see what uh, you did there. <laughs> uh, one way to be an activist and, and to be, thoughtful about its impact and to be supportive of Kelly in particular is the, um, are, are the sort of like convention gatherings and, and the ways in which we can celebrate Rose Tico. Um, our friend Keith Chow helped to create the rally for Rose Tico at SDCC, uh, earlier this year, the turnout was wonderful. The celebration of this character was um, really, really heartfelt and meaningful. And um, while I imagine that this might have had other more negative consequences, my feeling is that this is one really effective way to bring attention to this um, to this concept that this character is bra- is being torn down, and we should um, we should support her. We should help bring her more visibility. And, and the, you know, just the, the honor that she deserves. Yeah. And let's show her this, I think is like a very visible, uh, what you might've just said, way just to show how much she means to people and how much it ha- means to have her and that character as part of Star Wars. So if people are wondering like, well, I didn't go to Comic-Con or I can't do that. Or, you know, I don't know if, I don't see myself as that kind of an activist. What else can I do? Here are some things that I think we can all do to combat toxic fandom. Even if you just do one of these things. Um, I think you and I kind of do this to some degree, but it's curating our own online content to the Mm -hmm. best of our ability. Uh, That would be using filters. That would be having favorites, having kind of an ability to uh, just create yeah. our own, you know, yeah, our like own feed. Controlling like who you see and who you interact. And you can't always, people are going to sometimes jump in and hear conversations that you don't want there. But I, when I talk about like who I interact with on Twitter, or who I follow on Twitter, it's people I've known for a while. And anyone new that I add, it's usually that I've met through people I've known for a while or I've met in person. And like, I just make my own, in some ways, I'm like, am I making a bubble? Am I insulating this? But I'm like, you know what? I need a bubble. Mm-hmm. I want to go and talk to Star Wars friends and be happy. And if some nonsense happens, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to try not to ignore it. Sometimes I straight up miss it because I, I'm on Twitter sporadically, especially like late, like if I'm busy at work all day, like I'm not going to catch up while I was not online for 10 hours. But 
I try to make a nice, safe, cozy home on Twitter. Mm -hmm. A part of that too is this concept of blocking versus muting. Something I did not know is that blocking is a little bit more effective than muting. So a mute, a mute serves you, right? Right. A mute means I just I don't, don't see want this. It. Yeah. yeah. A block is is a a data point. It's another oh. message to, um, you know, to the the bigger picture, which is like how many people are blocking this, this user. person or this user, and. Um, I actually did not think about that. I don't that. even think about these things at all, but that mine can be is effective. Like, blocking, some people take blocking as a victory, like this twisted, like, mm. I got so-and-so to block me, and they were just so, like, afraid of me. Remember this one person, like, got so... It, it was something related to, I think, Ray being a Mary Sue. I don't know. But they got really mad and started tweeting about, like, at Star Wars, you should fire Amy Ratcliffe from blah, blah, blah. Like, what? Yeah. I'm like, I can't. Block. So I blocked them only to have a friend tell me like, yeah, they think that you were scared, like that you were really going to get fired. So you blocked them. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to give anybody that satisfaction. But that's a good point. On the other hand, if the block leads to even your messaging, communicating to other people that you are blocking this person is, um, I think, a bigger step toward the community of letting the community at large know this person is, is toxic. Yeah. Yes. Is introducing negativity, unwanted negativity, harassment, um, accusations, these things that we just don't need. I'm not saying we need to, um, I don't know, airbrush and, and just kind of like, you know, just look at this through rose colored glasses no. again, using the rose. Oh yes. <laughs> um, but I do think, for especially for like the very dangerous, uh, threatening level uh, type of harassers, this is helpful. Um, this is the next. The next item is very similar, but has, I think, has that um, sort of like aspect of like, are we being good citizens of this community by actually calling people out when they're behaving this way? So we're not policing them, we're not telling them what to do, but when they do make a comment that we know is sexist or racist, we we name it. We say... Yeah, I don't want people to think it's okay. Yeah. Um, not that they don't know, but they may not fully grasp the impact of it, or they might may not know that it's hurtful um, beyond their joking or beyond what they think is superficial. And so to... To call them out, um, you know, a part of doing this is reporting them, but I think an even more effective thing is to like, just call them out directly or call them out in the community and for, especially for our, our co-witnesses to step in. So if I know, if someone says something about my gender, my race, something about me, you know, being a woman of color, you as my co-witness can come in and say, hey... Not okay. That was not okay. That is racist or that is sexist or that's, you know, behavior that we don't want in this community. Sometimes I can go out and say it myself, but you as my co-witness is, is also powerful. So, so to participate in co-witnessing is really vital here if we want to develop this like zero tolerance, tolerance. culture. Um, do you practice positivity in your 
online activity. I actually, that's what I try to do the most because I want to have online to be like, I certainly go there to rant and, and get involved in, in discussions and things sometimes, but sometimes I just want to share a cute Pikachu gift that makes me happy and maybe (laughs) it's going to make someone else happy and move along with my day. Yeah. And I think that's important. Important while never like talk about what you want to talk about. Like don't, I don't want people to feel like they have to censor like negative feelings they're having that aren't toxicity Mm -hmm. or censor like criticism they have of something, but also just putting nice things out there is pretty cool sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think we need, especially now in today's climate, we need these positive experiences and the reminder that these everyday um, uh, things that, that keep us happy and, and keep us laughing and then what connected us to begin with. Like that's yeah. really important. And sometimes I try to do it through lifting other people up in the mm-hmm. community, like lift, like being like, oh, this person is making this awesome backpack right. or, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever it is like this person. Yeah. So that can be good too. Another thing we can do um, <laughs> is to publicly acknowledge our membership in the Star Wars community and I'm laughing because there were times when, you know, we know from the show, like listeners who, who know our histories, uh, there were times when I did not really acknowledge that I liked Star Wars at all. Um, and then there were times when I was just covered head to toe <laughs> yes. in Star Wars. Like I would not leave the house without a pin and a shirt and you know backpack and a you know, bracelet and you'd have to be blind to, to not get it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I do think that, that over, I call it overcompensating. Maybe it's overexpression of of my identity, uh, this acknowledgement, like, please, you know, please see me as a member of this community, see that I'm a true genuine fan of this community. Um, but I do think we should be pretty active in our expression of our love for Star Wars and to be open and, and genuine about being fans. Yes. I think there's a good outcome from that. We, we see each other. We see women of color um, who are expressing their, you know, affinity for Star Wars. And it's validating. Yeah. The more you, it makes me feel more comfortable to, to be vocal about my fan, to participate. Like when I see more people like me and. I'm still like always more likely to talk to a lady with Star Wars bag than a dude with a Star Wars t-shirt. Cause I feel like one, I'm probably not going to get a lecture about the last Jedi, <laughs> um, but I just feel more comfortable. Yeah. I, I, I felt that when, uh, when Kelly Marie Tran left social media, I think there was the sense of like, what do we do? Are we, you know, how do we, it's very clear that some people feel we are, we don't belong. We're not, we, I say we as in like women of color, yeah. Asian women. And so I, I did struggle a little bit with like, should I, should I be outspoken and, and demand that visibility and, you know, let my community know, I don't care what, how you, you know, how awful you are to this character. I'm here. I'm not going away. I'm not going to leave social media right, or the fandom um, or yeah. And so in whatever way that we are determined 
and persistent and visible in our community. I think, I think we have somewhat of a responsibility, but we also, it gives back to us. We get that sense of belonging and we get that sense of validation. Um, related to that, members who do have more of like a platform, a, yeah, a bigger voice, um, they should also speak out. I, I, I believe this. Yeah, it's about being a good ally and it's about actually something I'm always, I try to be conscious of and I don't think I'm always as good at it. I know I'm not always as good as I, as I want to be, just like actually doing things and not just being a performative uh, ally that talks the talk and doesn't, like, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about example in my head, somebody who actually follows up their words with actions mm. or the beliefs they talk about with actions mm-hmm. and, and helping their, in co-witnessing and helping their, mm. their friends or their community, period. One example I can think of for Kelly in particular, oh, many, many of her co-stars very early on came out in support of her. Um, and it wasn't until later, but I, I believe that lined up with when her article came out and when Domino Gleason was interviewed for something, he then made some comments in support of um, Kelly Marie Tran. And I thought what he said was was really on point. He said, look, people can have an opinion about the film, you know, specifically referring to The Last Jedi. Um, he said, it's perfectly fine. You pay your money to see the film. You're allowed to have an opinion. Um, do whatever you want. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he says it pretty clearly. Um, and then some, lang- some language. He said, the stuff with Kelly was BS. Um, that is a different thing altogether. Those people are just morons. Those people are just a-holes. I'm censoring myself here. And that's the difference. You don't buy that when you buy your tickets. Um, he mentions, he goes on to say that uh, he thought the piece she wrote was amazing and he has huge respect for her. And she dealt with it as classily as an unclassy situation called for. Um, so I, I, you know, to to kind of see him speak out is really meaningful because in many ways, he does kind of more represent what a typical Star Wars, historically, what a typical Star Wars character might look like. Yes. Um, the archetype. Yep. And so to step up and, and really um, support her as a person and say that that behavior is unnecessary. And unacceptable. And you're not yeah. entitled to it. I think the way he puts it perfectly is to, like... You being a fan does not mean you can treat people like dirt yeah. or more harmfully yeah, treat. Yeah, yeah. That's a mild way to put it. And and so here's the thing. Like, he didn't have to write this article. He didn't have to go out and, and you know, do this big speech. He he very plainly put it out there when he had the opportunity to um, to be a good ally. And I think that's the least that people should do, really, when you think about it. Yes. And... Especially when, like, he had the opportunity and was promoting something else, I'm sure. So, yeah, it is the least you can do is speak up for people and try to make that message, that calling out, telling people that things are... It's kind of actually why I wish, and I don't... I, I can't imagine it happen, happening, but I wish Lucasfilm 
would make a statement like along those lines, like you guys got to stop mm. because mm-hmm. I think that would have, I don't know if, how much of an impact it would have. Cause I'm sure people would be like, well, Kathleen Kennedy and Disney SJWs pick a mm-hmm. thing from the bingo card, but wait, what do you mean? Like just when anything <laughs> negative happens in Star Wars that they don't like, or if they get, uh, you know, if there are arguments, it, it comes out like, oh, Disney is making you doing this. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy's fault. Mm-hmm. You're all SJWs. What are the other reasons? Like, who made you apo- Like, who made you say stop mm-hmm. behaving this way? But I still think that would have not like Taylor Swift getting people to vote impact, maybe, but something like here's this company that makes the stories you've loved for 40 years mm-hmm. telling you to stop being curse words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish they would do that. I agree. Right now we have, we are sort of in the, I was going to say in the sand pit, we're in the sandbox with each other and we're, we're, we're trying all to being digested <laughs> over the Kuwait. No, sorry. <laughs> That's the Sarlacc. Um, I do agree with you. And I also think we're adults and yes. we have the responsibility to, to, to be civil with each other, to yes. have dialogue, to have disagreements. Anyone can say, I mean, you and I have disagreements. Anyone can say they don't like a film criticism opinions. I think those are fine. And we are, we are actually entitled to those things. Yes. The, I think the, the, escalation toward the individual insults and the racism and bigotry and, and the level at which, um, you know, that the toxicity has, 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 you know, I was going to say the level at which it's risen, but I would say it's sunk. Yeah. The other way. Yeah. Um, it's embarrassing. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a target of that. No, I want to be, harmonious with everybody. But, you know, again, this is where my tolerance is really, really, really limited. I, I, you know, I really don't, I don't think our community has a place for this. I agree. And I'm almost like, I, it's not a confusion. It's a conviction that those are not true Star Wars fans. I can't really link that. How, how do you love something that is about open-mindedness open-mindedness and and fighting back against repression and oppression and is literally about a group of social justice warriors trying to save the galaxy (laughs) right it hurts my mind when i try to piece together how people act the way they do and i don't have any tolerance for it well let's end the hurting so um we mentioned a few things that could be helpful that i believe any individual could do. Um, a couple last things here would be, of course, um, to do what we do through the show, which is to recruit members into the community. So if we know of people or we're making friends or maybe we encounter someone who's dipping their toe into the, the fandom, uh, welcome them and recruit them into the community so that, um, you know, again, the majority will be Hopefully, people who are positive yes. and welcoming, and uh, just like these these drinks that um, <laughs> how are you doing on your drinks? Good, I think just I have <laughs> only a little bit of like my two mugs. Doing pretty good, actually. I'm just gonna no, 
No, don't mix them. Nope. I was nope. going to mix them, but just from the simple fact that I don't pour well in there, a lot of electronics. <laughs> like, So, no. of course, detox in whatever way that, you know, that translates to you. Um, cleanse, cleanse your life and your social media and, and your, you know, the, the things that are, um, that you consume in a way that, um, you can find peace with this. And I think that's really, for me, why I'm still in, I'm still in it, Amy, not leaving the show. Um, one of the reasons why I stick around is that, um, I, I do have determination that things will change, but I'm also like, I do want to rise above this. I, I don't think this is, this, this can't really take me down. Like no way. No. And I, I hope it does not continue. And yeah, I'm not going to let that chase me away from fandom. Social media sometimes. Sure. Mm-hmm. But not my community, not right. my Star Wars family. <sighs> I feel like I need more of this detox. Wait, which one is this? Yeah, no. <laughs> this one for sure. Ah, delicious. Um, I feel like I have learned so much as always. And if you have, or if you just enjoy listening, uh, whatever your reason for tuning in, if you're not subscribed, please do so. You don't want to miss a single episode of Lattes with Leia. We have our own feed on iTunes, so you can look us up, Lattes with Leia, subscribe, leave, leave reviews, help other people find this community so you can recruit more awesomeness, more positivity, more, more, basically. <laughs> more recipes for our show. <laughs> uh, that's the most important part. No, it's not, but that'd be cool. Uh, and while you're listening to all your podcasts, please make sure to enjoy the rest of the Coffee with Kenobi Network, all available on iTunes, where we listen to podcasts. And that's Coffee with Kenobi, Legends Library, Rebel Reactions, Resistance Reactions, and Comics with Kenobi. And we want to hear for you. Uh, what can you do to support other fans after hearing this episode? What, what ideas do you have? How do you think we reinforce toxic fandom as a community? How, what are ways we can dismantle it? Do you have things you do to kind of help you to detox? And we want to know, we just, we want to hear from you. We're here, safe space. And you can hit us up on Twitter at Lattes with Leia. And obviously you can always email us at Lattes with Leia at coffeewithkenobi.com. Andrea, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at Arkham Asylum Doc on Instagram, Arkham Asylum Doc. My uh, other other podcast is about the Joker. <laughs> I would say my other podcast is about Salacious Crumb. You mean? <laughs> it's about Salacious Crumb. It's about the, the, the Joker of the Batman universe, which is the Joker, <laughs> and it's called the Arkham Sessions, and it can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you find podcasts. And on my website, underthemaskonline.com. Nice. Folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. You can find my writing at nerdistandstarwars.com. And hey, I wrote a book. It's called Star Wars Woman of the Galaxy. Would probably make a pretty cool Christmas present. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you all for listening. We hugely appreciate it. I'm Amy. And for Drea, may the force be with you.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.